0: Hey everyone, Owen Good here, welcoming you back to the Founders Forge podcast. Here on the Founders Forge, we talk to founders from all stages and get to know them, their projects, and the lessons they've been learning along the way. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Taylor Jacobs. We actually met Taylor just a few minutes before recording the episode, so you get to follow along as we get to know her and her business. She's creating an app called Dabble. Dabble's connecting people to restaurants and vice versa by offering complimentary food and drink items in exchange for people socializing. At those restaurants you'll hear more how that all works in the episode we actually did this one back-to-back with clark jacobs same last name no relation despite what they might tell people and like clark this was in person down at Capital factory in austin so if the audio sounds a little bit different that's why and a final note uh this episode will be wrapping up season three of the founders forge podcast we're very proud of what we've done here and the amazing guests we've been able to talk to We're trying to figure out what our plan for the future is. It's not the last you're going to hear from us. We've got some great one off episodes coming up. So be on the lookout for those. And we'll talk a bit more about what that's going to look like at the end of the show. For now, enjoy the conversation with Taylor Jacobs of Dabble. Let's do it. Well, hey, Taylor, great to have you on.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I know nothing Nothing. about your business other than (laughs) literally nothing, which is fantastic. I love that. So your business name is, is Dabble, right? Dabble. Dabble. Yes. Sir. I I guess let's try this. Uh, can you describe Dabble in five words without telling me anything else about it? Oh,
1: my it? gosh. Like five that. words. App that provides free food.
0: App that provides free food. Okay. I'm already in. Where do I sign? Yeah. Food.
1: Dabble is an app. Um, Where people sign up, they get complimentary food and drink items to different bars and restaurants around Dallas, and then we host events at those bars and restaurants or little meetups, so then people have more incentive to use their stuff, and then they're able to meet new people. Okay. Um, Dabble launched at the height of COVID.
2: Oh, wow. Wait, when you say at the height, you started when... Like, COVID was crazy, or you started before COVID and then COVID hit?
1: No, we started October of 2020.
2: Okay. Okay, so So, in the middle of COVID. Yeah, we were
1: in the trenches of COVID, and my friends and I were going to the same three to four bars and restaurants every week, and I was frustrated waiting an hour and a half for a table at the same bar every week, and so pull up my phone... Find this bar around the corner, we go. It also has a patio, it also has great marks. I'm like, how have I never heard of this place? I've lived here for almost a year. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, we need more exposure to the different bars and restaurants around town. Um, um you can't always trust bloggers because you know, they're they're being paid to promote this stuff. Right. So it's it's like, how do you know what's really good and what's not? Um, and so we need more exposure. But then a step beyond that, it's like, okay, well, we'll have exposure, but now we need incentive to try someplace. And mm-hmm. so on the consumer side, that was kind of our, uh, our issue was exposure and then incentive. And then on the restaurant end, w- I knew that restaurants were obviously hurting. People right. didn't know who was open. People didn't yeah. know if they had different COVID hours. Right. Um, and so I knew that restaurants, their whole term is butts in seats. Mm-hmm. Um, and seats. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that they wanted butts and seats. I knew that if we could lower their customer acquisition costs, that would be wonderful. And if um, increase their brand awareness, increase their foot traffic. And so that's kind of how Dabble was created.
0: Okay. So so tell us about it. Like, what's, how does it work?
1: So you download the app. At this point... So our app was just launched in November. Before okay. that, we were doing a text message subscription, so you would get okay. the vouchers via text message. Oh, I
0: see your MVP. I love
1: it. Yeah, it was very much an MVP. Um, it was raw URLs and just plain text that came in an MMS. And so yeah. it was a green text, too, which is makes it so much worse to me (laughs) sorry Android users um Hmm. yeah so our MVP was a text message subscription now we have the app so you download the app and then you're you open the app you sign up um you get a list of the curated vouchers to about five restaurants a month. Um, you can look either in list view or a map view of okay. the participating restaurants. And then on the other screen, um, on one screen, there's a profile function. And then on the third screen is um, the events. So you can see okay. what's what events Dabble is uh, curating for that month as well.
2: All right, so a uh, hard-hitting question. There are a bazillion different people doing... Food apps of some sort. Totally. This is true. What makes, you know, what what makes this so valuable to you and that you think it makes it valuable to other people? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. I think I've learned a lot from ClassPass. So I want Dabble Mm -hmm. to kind of be the ClassPass for bars and restaurants. And what I've noticed about the other apps that are doing something similar is um, so let me back up. ClassPass used to be a company called Classivity. Okay. And they failed because classivity failed because mm. they were failing to realize that they were serving a two sided marketplace. Mm.
2: Yep.
1: And so with Dabble, I want I I am recognizing that. And so at, at our core, we realize that we're serving a two sided marketplace. Yeah. I care just as much about my consumers as I do my bars and restaurant partners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's what makes us different is that we're creating community within um, that kind of scene, the going out scene, yeah. the brunch scene, the happy hour scene. Um, but we're not just creating community amongst young professionals, couples, transplants. We're creating community with the restaurant owners as well.
2: So then obviously the second question like, is the why do you think what you have is better and also... Who are you to do this? So let's start with who are you? Where did you come from? <laughs> you know, why entrepreneurship? Were you yeah. an entrepreneur as a child? Yeah. Is yeah. that something that was in your family? What did that look like for you?
1: Uh so I my name is Taylor Jacobs. That's I, right. I am from <laughs> I'm from New Jersey, right outside of Philly. Grew up entrepreneurial. I I guess the first time that I ever kind of started raising money on my own was after 9-11. Um, uh-huh obviously being in new jersey we felt yeah you mm-hmm. know people yeah. yeah yeah um but my parents kind of helped me create these pins like these pins with safety pins i would put beads on safety pins and make american flag oh cool like oh, that's neat yeah, yeah. I would sell them and raise money for our fallen firefighters. So, yeah. uh-huh. I was I was sick, so I Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. I'm um start. From, start young.
1: Yeah, it's probably honestly it's probably the entrepreneurial spirit probably came from doing projects with my dad because then we moved on to painting birdhouses and I used hmm. to sell them very random. Sure, sure um people
2: need to have birdhouses that look good so you know yeah, yeah
1: you know an eight-year-old really knows how to paint a good birdhouse. so i'm
2: assuming your dad probably knew a little bit more but i don't
1: know no you know what he was very <laughs> hands off he was oh, cool. very much like oh, cool. he would yeah. go to the store with me we'd yeah. pick him out pick out the paints and he would set me up in the basement put the smock on me he would be behind me doing whatever project wow. he was oh, doing great. at the time yeah. and um yeah, the the biggest involvement that he had at that point was screwing the birdhouse onto right. this the stick that you would huh. then stick in the ground. Right. Yeah, Um, so that and then moving forward to college, I had a little cornhole set making business where okay, yeah. I would make cornhole sets and yeah. hand paint them. And um then I had a, a little candle making business.
2: So a lot okay of new, yeah. kind of building craft type products that you were able to sell and yeah. get an understanding of what it's like to like, hey, I need to buy the resources to make something and then use that to make enough money to buy more resources, that kind of side of business. Yeah. yeah. Where did you go to college?
1: I went to, I started at St. Joe's. I played lacrosse in college. Okay. And then I transferred. I graduated from Drexel.
0: Okay. All right. And yep. what did you study?
1: Um, I studied corporate and public relations and okay. I, okay. for a, a brief stint there, I had a, a minor in Spanish. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay.
2: Were you planning to go do stuff in the yeah. PR space? Maybe something related to Spanish PR no, or no? Nope. No. I had whatever. no idea. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: so you graduate from college. You've had some experience doing small business on the side. What What happened at college?
1: So when so Drexel is a wonderful school, and I yeah. believe that every university should offer co-op programs. Co-op programs mm-hmm. um are at least the way that Drexel's co-op program functioned was you go to school on a quarterly basis. So the quarters follow the seasons. Um and so I did my co-op with a, an artificial intelligence company in Dallas. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So my junior year of college um was in Dallas for six months. I had a friend that lived down here because before that I had really just lived in the Northeast, you know, which sure. grew up there, went to college there. Um and I loved the weather, I loved the people. And then from there, I continued working for that company until I graduated. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I worked part time remotely after my co op ended. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I moved back to Philly. Yeah, they were a great, a great company, a great place to start. Um, and then from there, I, I started picking up little marketing consulting clients.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So like I, independently?
1: Independently, oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I still have the marketing consulting company now that's actually, I'm self funded.
2: Oh, cool. And That's so, fantastic. Yeah. All so fun. the
1: marketing consulting has actually funded the app. Nice. Um,
2: and you've been doing that for how many years?
1: Since I graduated college. I graduated in 2018. So okay. since cool. then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, that, that kind of, I moved back down here once I graduated. And um, I was working, you know, doing the marketing consulting. Um, and then in October of 2020, I... Um, started Dabble. Oh, well,
0: there okay. you go. Okay, yeah. so where is Dabble at? You say you you just launched your app after doing a concierge MVP. Tell tell us about your concierge MVP. What was that process like to like test this out and validate it and all that?
1: Um. So at my core, I'm a DIYer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, makes and sense And that very much felt like one of those times where it's like, okay, you can do it yourself, but maybe you shouldn't because. Mm-hmm. We, and the thing, it, it was a necessary evil. I just hated the MVP in that it, it just looked so archaic. It was, sure. you know, putting our brand on something that looked antiquated, but the concept was there, right? Like we want yeah. to get people going to places, trying new places. We love the restaurants that we partner with. Um, mm-hmm. And so the process was, you know, it was arduous. It was, it was fun. It was hard. Um, we have pivoted about 12 times since we started Okay, sounds all right <laughs> yeah um what were
0: some of the more notable uh pivots there
1: well we i i struggled with even like whether or not we should develop the app okay. at first mm. you know i thought i was looking down this barrel of okay you know it's a consumer facing app that just about everyone and their mom wants to tell me how hard it's going to be and it i mean i know it is yeah consumer facing apps are really challenging um and but knowing that I I believe in in the concept and also knowing that we need to remain really flexible in our development phase of and I I very much still believe we're still in this development phase. Yeah, um, yeah
0: sure. What uh, what convinced you to go ahead and go that route?
1: Probably my stubbornness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> stubbornness and our market validation. Like I mean,
0: this has to work. The only way this is going to work. Okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and the fact that we have loyal subscribers that have been with us since day one
0: using Uh your concierge MVP. Yes. And all its ugliness.
1: Yes. Using, using our MVP. Um, I almost, i kind of wanted to do it for them too of, you know, even if we have, let's call it 75 really loyal users, right? These are loyal users who don't know me from Adam. It's not like they're just my friends who are supporting Mm me. Um, it's people who think, you know what? I can get, I can try new places, I can meet new people, and I can do it while saving money. (sighs) Why
0: not? Let's do it. Absolutely. So you developed an app. What was that process like?
1: So we worked with a company called Emerald Labs. Okay. Um, Hmm. Plug for them. They are, if you guys are ever doing Dallas area? They're actually based in Austin. Okay. Um, They're headquartered in Austin. Actually, Chris Gillen from Capital Factory, or he... Chris Gillen used to be involved with Capital Factory. Oh, okay.
0: um,
1: oh. He is one of their co founders. Oh, neat. Um, yeah. But their company developed the app. As far as um, app development processes go, I think I am probably the luckiest. I've heard horror stories. Oh, yeah.
2: I don't know, you know, how, what would maybe what your process was for finding them, but maybe that helped. But you can definitely. Some would say it's a crapshoot. I think there's a little bit more that goes into it than that, but to find a good shop that'll do you well and, and mm-hmm. get you going in the right direction. So did, did you just find out about them through some random referral from a friend or how Yeah, that
1: so I found out about them through a referral from a friend. Um, they had developed an app for a friend mm-hmm. and the friend had nothing but good things to say about them. And then more explicitly, uh, you know, Chris specifically is such a great mentor and that's what this friend had shared as well. You know, like beyond just developing an app, not only is Ali and Naki, they're great to work with period, but then going the step beyond that to say, and you get the mentorship of Chris who kind of walks through the process with you, you know, they celebrated all. So being a a sole founder at this point, You know, I had, they were probably my biggest supporters, especially through the app development phase, Mm -hmm. you know, texting me on a Saturday afternoon, like with different updates and then calling first thing Wednesday morning with a new exciting, um, you know, something that they figured out, oh, we can actually leverage the Eventbrite API and Mm -hmm. whatever it was, they were, I felt like they were in the process with me rather than just contract labor,
2: yeah, and that yeah. makes a huge difference. That's, That's something that is. you know we kind of land on yeah. when we do similar type stuff. And so yeah. to be able to it's say so like, we're not just someone that you go tell us what to do and we go do it, but like we're in the game with you. We know that sometimes you don't know what options are out there. And so just to be able to provide those to you, it's not a I'll tell you what you have to do, but sometimes it is it's like, hey, yeah. no, you really need to do this. And to be able to have that um makes a huge difference. And I guess uh, to the question of the, the solo reviewer yeah. game, uh, that's a mixed bag for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to, you know, share kind of maybe an up and a down for you that it's been being a solo founder would be yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah. That's well, same. I think um, at this point, I'm definitely open to having an, a co-founder. So yeah. if, if anyone listening is looking for a founder position. <laughs> yeah. um, So I guess I'll start with a down it's a lonely road, you know, it's that's, I work with Clark. I work with our friend, the Shirk, uh, kids in Dallas. Um, uh, they're probably like they, I call them my coworkers. We work on totally, the Shirk's just opened a hotel. Clark runs (laughs) flex desk. Like we do completely different things, but I feel like they're so in the trenches with me and the closest thing I have to a coworker. So I would say the the biggest down is just that being a sole founder is definitely a lonely process. yeah, um and then an up, I guess just being able to kind of take a step back or at these events and being able to literally take a step back and look at the community that you're trying to create
2: mm-hmm. and
1: realizing that um you know some like good is coming from this, not yeah. just monetarily, but for the people as well. Yeah. um, yeah
0: how have you kind of preserved a, a work life balance as a solo founder
1: um, or do you have, have one happy no, <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is how, how are you trying like? to preserve work life balance
1: um i think so the the thing that is most important for me in my life is definitely my relationships and so okay yeah um more than work more than like i so i i probably have fewer friends than maybe m- most people but you know the friends that I do have, I I very much prioritize, and yeah. for my family as well, I you know I kind of force myself. You know I have to go home over Thanksgiving. Like I mm-hmm. I could stay in Dallas, I yeah. I could work on Thanksgiving. No right. one would, like, it would probably be People, doing people, it. people would
2: not look at you strange yep. if you did no. that, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean that would be very normal. And sometimes I kind of feel bad a little bit or guilty because I know again being a sole founder. I need to put in more work because I don't have someone else to support me in that. Um, But then I kind of go back to at the end of the day, if I didn't have my family, my grandparents are, I still have three grandparents and they are. Yeah. yeah. So even going home to them, like if I were to miss Thanksgiving and God forbid anything. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I miss that for a job. Yeah. So I think kind of trying to keep things in perspective, trying to make sure that I show up I know that I have to make sacrifices. I can't always be at, you know. Every time my friends are together, or mm-hmm. um, I make time for the things that matter to the people that matter to me.
0: That's so. That's so huge. Because yeah. there's this myth in entrepreneurship, especially solo entrepreneurship, that if you're not, you know, grinding twenty four seven, you don't really want it badly enough. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve to succeed. Mm-hmm. And hey, it's obviously, okay. a lie.
2: But yeah. you know, it's, it takes it's people so like us to try and show that it can be done a different way so like exactly. props to you for exactly. trying to maintain that and no, having your fantastic. priorities straight
1: yeah that's fantastic well i had a i had a strong um both of my parents are very hard workers yeah. mm-hmm. my mom specifically she started her law firm the my dad graduated from law school in the year i was born uh-huh. oh, and wow. my mom started her law firm the year i was born
2: are you wow. Two lawyers as parents, and
1: I have a yeah, and my what grandfather's a, a lawyer life. as well. <laughs> um, Fantastic. Yeah, my dad was in law enforcement for twenty five years, and uh-huh. he actually didn't start practicing law until he retired from the prosecutor's oh, interesting. office. Okay, yeah, yeah. But anyway, my mom. She, Specifically with owning her firm, I think it was very much the same thing of she mm-hmm. could have worked our entire childhood. Yeah. But she made it a point to where, you know, maybe she wasn't gonna be home for dinner, yeah. but heck, she was gonna be at her soccer games. Yeah. Right. Really awesome. Um it
0: matters. It yeah, matters. It in matters. the long run, it matters.
1: I told you guys deal. I played lacrosse in college. Yeah. My mom was my first coach. That's My mom something. had never played lacrosse. My mom, but mm. you know, she stayed up late reading how to coach girls lacrosse. Wow. Yeah. she came after work. Like she, she made it work, and I think I've kind of saw that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that she was a successful or is a successful woman, but was able to balance a very healthy family life exactly. as well. I
0: will, I will shout that from the rooftops till the day oh, I die so. that you can do both. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's awesome. So and you'd say that your family is your some of your strongest supporters then and what keeps you going through yeah, all this too. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I think I think I probably am aging my mother <laughs> by not having a regular job. Aww. Um but my dad my dad is probably more entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Um he's always had a side business as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and my, my grandmother still has no you're never going to convince grandparents that you can make money from your computer. Right. So, or from right. an app. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Very, very <laughs> fair. So they support me as an individual, maybe not the, the startup <laughs> yeah. life, but yeah, anything that I kind of have a vision for, they support.
0: That's fantastic. Cool. Okay. So let's kind of wrap up here. What, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing?
1: Um. So th- the biggest thing that I'm facing right now is this issue of, Having a really flexible product, so the way that Emerald Labs built our product is to be flexible.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they built it. Yeah, follow whatever path you know the customer needs are as you go along. Yeah,
1: exactly. I feel like I'm at this point where I'm ready to start like choosing a path, you know, mm-hmm. do we become more event heavy? Do mm-hmm. we maybe make a play at single people? And this is a casual way to meet people. That's not mm-hmm. a dating app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do we focus more on higher end restaurants? Yeah. Do we start offering discounts rather than just straight complimentary items? Um, all of these paths, none of them would necessarily be wrong. And I could put research around any of them. And so I think not knowing the um definitive direction for the best product market fit has been the hardest part so far. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to doing it alone of um like not having someone to bounce that off of.
2: Yeah, and ultimately like you almost your opinion is final, so you have to have an opinion <laughs> versus like you have co-founders, it's able to be like yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. They're like, yeah, I kind of think this, and then you kind of are able to formulate an opinion as you go along. Yeah, I guess to that point, have you have you considered like just trying one of them and doing some like just basic, almost like A/B testing, but for like your different options for uh, your market that you're trying to service, or yeah. what what does that then look, look yeah, like Yeah, so you?
1: right now I'm trying to commit to smaller. Um, like smaller market grabs, mm-hmm. so smaller groups of people yeah. um, and getting them to our events. So I'm focusing on getting people to the events to really underscore the community aspect to mm-hmm. back to your earlier question, how are we different? Yeah, That's probably the biggest part. And, um, you know, getting people to these events and then, yeah. oh, hey, you also get a complimentary food or drink yeah. item. And, oh, hey, you also get to meet new people
2: Yeah,
1: or see people that you maybe only see once a month that you met at the last dabble event.
2: Cool.
0: What's uh, what's been your process for getting restaurants attention? <laughs> we, we've <laughs> we've, we've to, done some
2: stuff in the space, and we've talked to different people in the space. And getting restaurateurs on board is always like the hardest. At least well, game from what we've seen, from
0: maybe you haven't seen. had no. trouble with that. But I'm curious, like uh, your experience? I've
1: h- I've had some restaurants like tell me to f off pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> and then I've had others who like the the Beard Brothers that own SBBC Hospitium, They own probably 15 restaurants in Dallas. Okay. They're just super supportive. They see the vision. They know that from a restaurant perspective, yeah, it makes sense for them. Yeah, because it's again lowering their customer acquisition costs, and mm-hmm. it's now money that's not it's not their money spent on marketing. It's just product cost.
0: Yeah, how um, did you find them? Yeah, how are you finding them and just getting enough? attention to pitch it basically
1: yeah. um i you know walk into places and okay say, hey, can i talk to your manager and then they show me to their man like, you know oh, just work okay. your
2: way up okay yeah
1: most of it is either through instagram through email or <laughs> just walking in
2: gotcha yeah and just a lot of slog of that i'm assuming
1: yeah but you know yeah. once you have like one restaurant they say oh i should introduce you to my buddy that owns oh, blah yeah, blah blah cool. down yeah. the street or you know what i have so it it is a a pretty small network in Dallas too and mm,
2: okay yeah. Gotcha. Um
1: but yeah so the process really is just a word of mouth and be just picking up the phone.
2: Yeah, just picking that, up the phone. Get your feet on yep. the boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. Cool. So if you were to be talking to an early stage entrepreneur who's trying to figure out what does it look like to get started and trying to find you know, resources or advice, what would be something that you could pull out of kind of your backpack of, of things um, to, to give to them? What's them impacted towards, you the most? Yeah. yeah.
1: I think one thing for me, at least I think, I think people generally make it feel complicated to start. Mm-hmm. And they say like, Oh, you have, you have to have your market research and you have to do this and you have to do that. You do need all of those things, yeah. but I think just starting, at step one. Um, do you guys listen to Bigger Pockets podcast at all?
2: No, that's a new one. Okay.
1: Um on one of their episodes, they use this analogy of cleaning the truck. I
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So this guy basically wanted needed to buy a home. His wife was pregnant with their second baby, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And he needed money to finance to get a loan. And he thought, well, where am I going to get this money? They were both school teachers; They didn't have enough money. And the only thing that he could do was sell his truck to get money. But he had a loan on the truck and he he didn't know how to do any of the things. It was like yeah. this big issue. Yeah. And so the ultimate goal is to be able to get a mortgage for this house. Right. Um, and he's like, well, how am I going to do that? And he s- says, you know, you start with cleaning the truck. So he cleaned the truck and then he took photos of the truck and then he listed the truck on Facebook and then he sold the truck. And then. Yeah. so I think... Using that analogy here of start at step one, like if you have an idea, yeah, Yeah. just write it out, put it down on paper, start talking to your friends about it, start seeing if you have anyone in your network that has started a business. If you don't know anyone in your network that started a business, well, go get on LinkedIn and figure out who has started a business and just become a keyboard warrior and like get a meeting with someone.
0: That's that's fantastic. I mean, that's the best advice we got when we were thinking about starting this podcast. Start. Just Start. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but what if it's not good enough? I'm like, just start. You'll we'll figure that. it out we'll on the way. way.
1: Yeah. Clark yeah. always uh, – I think Clark's old boss said this to him. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good.
0: Perfect mm-hmm. perfect is the enemy of good. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
1: And so – and to that effect, done is better than perfect. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, That's yeah, huge. just just – take it take it one step at a time
2: just start and that is how we can close our podcast that's excellent <laughs> well hey taylor this has been fun this is cool
1: yeah thank you guys so much for having me yeah. i appreciate it yeah
0: well i thanks for coming on we look forward to uh catching up in the future and seeing how things are going with dab
1: absolutely thank you
0: thanks again to taylor for coming on the show some great advice always at the end there just get started done is always better than perfect perfect is the enemy of good We look forward to keeping in touch with Dabble as they continue on their journey. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this is it for Season 3. We are so incredibly thankful to each and every one of you guys for listening and supporting the show. Excited about the future, and what the upcoming changes for that will be some new voices, along with Marcus and I. Always love to hear feedback. Uh, Reach out on Twitter using hashtag FoundersForge, or reach out directly to us via LinkedIn or email. All that info will be in the show notes, of course. We'd also love to hear from you if you want to come on the show. We're always looking for interesting people and companies to talk to. Big, small, weird, drop us a line, let's chat. Alrighty, talk to you soon. This podcast is a production of Axon Collective LLC. Your hosts are Owen Good and Marcus Smith. Our editor is Andrew Good. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in season four.